Yes, sir. It is December the 3rd in the year 2020, and you are live with all eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. Your Cleveland Browns are eight and three. They will travel to Nissan Stadium in Tennessee to face the very good eight and three Titans, a team, uh, The Browns are a team with much to prove to the rest of the NFL, and that will be this Sunday at 1 p.m. All Eyes on Cleveland is a show that interviews the top personalities in the national sports landscape, interviewing and discussing the pressing issues that face your Cleveland Browns. We are sponsored by... Of course, uh, on uh, Bet Online and Thrive Fantasy app. Uh, and tonight we have a very special guest with us. Uh, he is a uh, former uh, NFL defensive back uh, for eight years, played with the Titans uh, from 1997 to 2000. He. Uh, Started in Super Bowl 34 versus the Rams. He is the one and only Denard Walker. Denard, you with us? I'm with you, guys. How you doing? Fantastic, sir. Glad to have you on the show uh, tonight. Uh, you are also the co-host of the Believe in Titans podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, I listened to some of your guys' show. You guys are great, fantastic, breaking down everything. Uh, there in the Titans world, uh, a lot going on. Both teams eight and three. Big matchup this weekend. We're going to get into that. But first, I wanted to uh, ask you a few things. You went to LSU, sir. Louisiana State University, class of '96. Yeah, you got LSU, uh, LSU North up here at, in uh, at the Browns. Man, we got all the LSU players. What's up with that? You got to be like a Browns fan now. Well, I tell you what. If you guys want to see change the trajectory of your program, I think it would, it would be good to go down to Baton Rouge and get as many players as you can, and that way you would bring a Super Bowl winner to Cleveland. <laughs> hey, man, that's what they're doing. They got Greedy, Jacob Phillips the last couple of years. I like Jacob Phillips. He's been dinged up a little bit, but I think he's going to be a good linebacker, of course. Odell and Jarvis. Jarvis is my favorite. Jarvis is the heart and soul of this team, man, so... Uh, he is uh, everything that uh, we want the Browns to be for sure. Um, so, sir, you played in and started in uh, one of the most famous Super Bowls ever, the One More Yard Super Bowl. Uh, what was that like? I want to ask you about the Super Bowl. What was it like playing in the Super Bowl? Do you remember like every play of that game, or what do you remember most of, of playing in that Super Bowl? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, I had to get some counseling <laughs> after that game. It was Super Bowl 34, and I was on the un, – un, unfortunately, I was the guy that gave up the game-winning touchdown. If you if you guys go back to that game uh, when Isaac Bruce caught that bomb uh, from Kurt Warner, which ended up making Kurt Warner's career, uh, I'm the yeah. guy, unfortunately, that uh, you know gave up that explosive play. Uh, which end up putting the Rams ahead, and they went on to win. But, uh, yeah, it was actually a great experience. Uh, I enjoyed myself in Atlanta. And unfortunately, it iced over uh, that whole week, so we didn't get a chance to enjoy the festivities that you know comes along with the Super Bowl. And also, it was hard because that was the first time that they kind of played around with the Super Bowl. Instead of giving you the traditional two weeks, they gave us one week. So basically, we played Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game on a Sunday, and then we end up playing um, St. Louis uh, the following Sunday. So we didn't get a chance to enjoy it like you know most teams get to, get a chance to enjoy the experience. So that was the bummer, but for the most part, it was fun. Um, you uh, had a uh, a long career. You played with a number of teams, right? Uh, I have I did. In my research, I was doing some digging and some looking around into your past, and I found out an interesting fact about you, that in 2001, which would have been Brady's, what, his second maybe his year. first year, second year as a second starter, year. had not thrown an interception as a starter until you picked him off 
at a game in Denver. And then you got him again. So you got him for the first and the second time in the same game. I got the highlights right here. You can talk us, watch it here. We can talk us right through it here. The end of this game. See, you guys take the lead here, I think. Yeah, that was what. Do you remember this ago. game well? Uh, yes. Uh, but you know, like I said, right that there. Guy right Look at there. that play. Look at that yeah. play. That that is an incredible interception, sir. Yeah, thank you. The young Belichick, and then you got him here for six. Yeah, unfortunately, he was a young guy back then. He wouldn't make that throw today, but. Uh, what people don't know is that was my claim of fame, but uh, that guy right there would end up uh, winning the Super Bowl that year. So uh, we both took different paths in our career. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though, man. That was awesome. That's was so cool. I found that highlight, and I wanted to play that for you and ask you about it, but you were the first one to pick him off. There, there you are right there, Denard Walker, two interceptions, one for a pick six. Pretty cool stuff, man. Uh, and I wanted to uh, play that as well. Let's uh, let's dive in here. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland Live. Special guest Denard Walker, uh, co-host of Believe in Titans uh, podcast of the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, Denard is a former uh, defensive back for eight years in the NFL. The Titans uh, slash Oilers. Now, when it says Titans slash Oilers, was it the Oilers when you got drafted? Yes, it was the Tennessee Oilers when we first moved to Nashville in 1997. We were the Oilers for 97, 98, and then we end up transitioning into the Tennessee Titans in 1999. So that was the inception of the Tennessee Titans program right there. Got it. That that's cool. And you uh you want you were 25 with them, right? Number 25 was a four-year starter, started for nearly 64 games and had the best time of my life. And the city of Nashville was great, and the organization was class. It was a class organization, and I had a great time. And you are uh, – you're from Dallas, I believe, right? Are you in Dallas tonight? I'm in Garland, Texas. That's my hometown. I still okay. I have the fortune to live where I grew up. That's awesome. Very cool stuff, Denard. Just wanted to get a little background on you. Pretty cool, and, and we appreciate you coming on the show for sure. Um, all right, so let's talk about the Titans a little bit. Uh, obviously, last year, incredible run uh, in the playoffs. Kind of came out of nowhere with Tannehill's success uh, after he took over as starter um, and then and pulled off you know, uh, the upset in the uh, – uh, some upsets in the playoffs and made a nice little run there. Should, could have, you know, had the big lead on the Chiefs, and we know what happened, but uh, it was a, a a nice playoff run, probably more than they expected at the beginning of the year. Um, then they, you know, they tie up Tannehill, and they come in this year looking like a favorite, right, like a big dog in the AFC. They cruise out to a 5-0 and start, right, um, and then uh, lose a brutal game to Pittsburgh by three. And then kind of compound that with a loss to the Bengals by 11, beat the Bears by a touchdown, and then lose to the Colts, all right? So this is kind of a pivot point right here in your season. So you lose, they lose, uh, what, see there, three games out of four, one to the Bengals by 11, and then they turn, you guys turn around, and the Titans beat Baltimore in overtime, and then come back with a revenge game against the Colts in Indianapolis and, and hang 45 on them. What changed for this team between that, that first Colts game and that Baltimore game, you think? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't think anything changed. Um, a lot of people don't realize, and I say this all the time on my podcast, is that there's 32 teams in the National Football League, and the word disparity doesn't exist. And what I mean by that is, is if you take a team lightly just because of what their record indicate, that record doesn't indicate anything about that team. They went down to Cincinnati, and I think people looked at that team and said they've only won one game. What people didn't realize is that they were basically, since he was losing literally uh, in the last few minutes of the game, so they didn't know how to really put a fourth quarter together. And I said, when this team from Cincinnati learned how to play all four quarters, this will be a dangerous football team. And that's exactly what happened when they went and played Cincinnati. Uh, I'm not saying that they took that team lightly, but what happened mm. was Cincinnati put four quarters together 
and they deserve to beat Tennessee that day. And so the game against last week, when we talk about the Colts, the first time they played uh, Indy down in Nashville, yeah, I thought the defense played well. And I think the defense performance gave the team a chance to win. Unfortunately, the special teams unit hurt uh, uh, the offense and the defense. And that's yeah. really where everything went wrong in the third quarter. There was probably a period of about seven minutes where Indy really took control of the game and Tennessee wasn't able to recover. No team in the NFL uh, will be able to recover when you get one um, punt blocked um, for yeah. for six points, and then you turn around and shank a punt in your red zone. Your red zone is twenty yards in, and that's not gonna that's not gonna happen in this league. So they basically, I wouldn't say they gave that game away. They lost that on special teams. But again, this team came back. Um, and I and I say this all the time: when you are a resilient football team, you will find a way to fight your way out of tough times, and that's exactly what this team did. Yeah. So uh, since then, they've been doing the uh, the uh, standing on the logo and yeah. uh, John at the at first the Ravens in Baltimore, and then the same thing to the Colts. They take on the personality of their coach a little bit, right? Mike Vrabel uh, is, is he's kind of a you know. Uh, I, strangely enough, weird story. I'm broadcasting from Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, which is where Mike Vrabel was born and raised, went to Walsh Jesuit High School down the road. So I remember as a kid watching him play football, you know, at, in high school and stuff. So kind of weird. But yeah, so Mike Vrabel, you know, is their coach. But uh, the the Titans are a toughened, hardened, toughened team and very intimidating. That That's the first thing I think of when I think about this team is that they're just a hard-nosed team. And I think a lot of it even goes back to last year, week one. Browns were all fired up, coming in, hyped up. You know, all the talent, you know, they were crowned in the offseason, right? And the Titans beat the crap out of them and told them about it the whole time, Denard, told them about it the whole time. And it was, it was such a letdown. And everything. So when I think about coming into this game, and you think about Der- Derrick Henry, and you think about uh, their defense, like last year was a really that you know their defense was just really good. I mean, even if you look at the defensive names, they just jump off the page. Um, they kind of take on the personality of their coach, and and it's a real hard nosed team. Um, how? You know, how has that changed things? Like them standing on the logo, John at people, is that part of the change for them? Is it kind of been like us against everybody? Is that their mentality? Well, that's that's the culture. You know, I tell people yeah. all the all the time is this is that a team takes on their coaches, their coach personality. Mike has played we came in a league together back in ninety seven. I came third okay. round and you know, he's from old state, you know, so he played in that that rugged conference where, you know, it's cold in November, you know, I played with Eddie George, of course. Um, and I, um, you know, that's, that was a tough conference, that big 10, you know, big 10 is always known for, we're going to run the ball. We're going to pound you. We're going to hit, we're going to fight, you know, Michigan, Ohio state. I grew up watching those games. You knew what you were going to get. And that's what Mike is used to. Mike came in the league. He was drafted by Pittsburgh before he went to new England. And he, yep. he had a great he had a great career, but Mike was a tough player. He was a tough linebacker, very instinctive, very smart, and he's played in some tough some of the toughest games and some of the biggest games, you know. So and he's he's coached under Coach Belichick. He's learned under Coach Belichick. He's been with Bill O'Brien, you know. He's been with some of the top coaches in the league. But you know what? What I love about Mike Vrabel is he's just a tough guy from Ohio. I've never. You know, in all my years and all the guys that I've competed against, you know, I played with Charles Woodson, who's from Ohio, was at Fremont, Ohio. Yep. It's a certain, there's a certain culture. I think the the state of Ohio, how you guys breed your players and your coaches. You got some of the best. Don Shula's from Ohio. The great yep. Paul Brown. I mean, that city embodies to me toughness. Everything about that place. You know, I grew up loving the Browns. I I grew up emulating guys. I love Bernie Kosar. I love the Browns in the 80s. The only thing that really bothered me about that team in the 80s is they couldn't get past Denver. And it nope. used to break and it just broke my heart to see that. But what I grew up when I looked at 
those games when Cleveland used to play in the, in the 85 and the 86, especially 86 uh, championship game was the dog pound. And that oh, just, yeah. As a, yeah as, as a kid, man, I used to love that. I used to love the fact that they would throw bones on the field. They're barking. I mean, that's Cleveland. It's a gritty place. That's Ohio. I love it. I love the Indians. I love the Cavaliers. I love everything about the city. It is one of the greatest sports towns. I'm not just saying that. I grew up loving uh, what that city embodies as far as this team. You, y'all, y'all take a reflection on your team, and I kind of noticed yep. that. And so – and that's Mike, man. Mike brings that that toughness to Tennessee. He brought a swag, you know, because he's played the game. You know, he knows what it takes. And if I got to go out there and make Coach Harbaugh mad by stepping on the logo, so be it. And yeah. by them stepping on the logo and warming up and running, yeah. you know what? It got them ready. It got Baltimore out of the game. Like, they were so mad at what happened. They forgot, we still got to play. So if that's For what sure. you got to do, you know, if you got to do that to get a team, you know, out of their comfort zone, then do it. Yeah. Doing that to the Ravens is awesome. I, I love that. <laughs> that. That's great stuff there. Um, so the Titans offense is very, very efficient this year, right? Uh, Derek, we know Derek Henry. Uh, he, he's a beast. Uh, they even incorporate, they incorporate their play action game so well uh, with, with Tannehill. Now Tannehill, I think played a lot better than people give him credit for when he was in Miami. Um, but uh, he's become something even better than that now. He's evolved into that. What, you know, what do you see when you see Tannehill now? He's just become a better quarterback. He's just comfortable. I mean, that's yeah. the thing about it is I tell people all the time there's 32 jobs in the National Football League. There's 32 companies. Unfortunately, you might go to one and it's really not a place to where it, it best fits your needs. I don't think that he was ever comfortable in Miami. They had a lot of coaching yeah. changes. They had a lot of uh, front office issues. And right now that organization is still having problems. So sometimes you, you kind of inherit that. I don't care how, you know, how good you are. I don't care how, you know, if you were taken first or first round or fourth round, you know, when you go to a place where there's no continuity, when you go to a place where there's a lot of uncertainty and, you know, you kind of you will inherit that as a player. I, I mean, I've been through it myself going through free agency. And when he got to Tennessee, he had a chance really to sit and learn. And he watched Marcus. I think mm-hmm. what's, what Ryan is doing is what we're anticipating Marcus. Marcus is supposed to be doing. You know, nobody in Tennessee was thinking Mark is going to end up in Las Vegas. He's going to be our franchise quarterback. And it hasn't yep. happened, way, unfortunately. So what Ron has done is it's kind of like the old term. I hate saying that this cliche of taking a bull by the horns. But what he's what he's done, what he's been able to do is he's got in a place that fits his needs. If you look at the offense, it's really catered around Ron, not Derek. It lets yeah. Ron kind of do the things that he's comfortable at doing. A lot of things that he used to do at Texas A&M, you know, yeah. and he's such a great athlete. People forget, they forget this. Listen, Ryan was a, a great receiver when he first got down to Aggieland. Down yeah, in I mean, doing- you sleep on it and he, he runs, he runs on you teams. And I'm like, dang, man, he can really scoot when you don't, you forget about it, but he's a big boy and he can run, man. He's a good athlete. No question. Um, so let me ask you this about Tannehill, a follow-up question on that, right? So do you think teams in the NFL, like in this day and age, do you think teams give up on quarterbacks too early? Like we see him kind of come into his own later on. And it's like a microwave just culture in general, let alone in the NFL. You see a lot of guys just get shipped out after two years or one year, or we've already, I mean, like people have written off Dwayne Haskins already, right? Yeah. Like it's stuff like that. Like, do you think that the teams do that too early or is that just the way it is? <laughs> it's weird that you asked me that. I was just thinking that last night and it's funny, it's funny you asked me that because you're in Cleveland. So if there's anybody that knows that it's you guys, y'all has since no 1999, 28 starting quarterbacks. You imagine how many good quarterbacks have came through that organization. And you know what? And I tell it's like what Sam Darnold is going through in New York, you know. Right. A few years ago, they, they was christening this guy as being the next great quarterback in the National Football League out of USC. He's tall. He has all of the physical attributes. He can make all of the throws. 
He's going to, when he gets to New York, he's going to bring that California personality. And yeah. it hasn't happened that way. Now, Adam Gase is on the hot seat because now he feels like he hasn't had a chance to develop his quarterback. Listen, I tell people all the time, listen, there's a three-letter word when you describe the National Football League. NFL stands not for the National Football League. It stands for not for long. You probably not got two long. years to get in there, get that job done, or you're out. That's just the way it works. I tell people all the time, you get paid by being productive. You get paid on production. If you're not performing, it's called a performing enhancement job. If you're not performing, you don't get paid, you're gone. They'll put somebody in there. That's why they have a draft every year. They bring in guys to replace you. Eric Davis told me that very plain and simple, Denard. That's why they have a draft. So you have to continue to work, but most of all, you have to be evolving. And if you're not evolving as a player, and as a person, because they look at what you do off the field as well, then you won't be there. Yep. Somebody somebody else is ready to step in there. It's crazy. It's the same way with the coaching, too. And, and, and GM regimes, you get two years, right? You get two years, and you're out. So um, it's interesting. All right. So uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest, Denard Walker, co-host of Believe in Titans podcast check that out where all podcasts uh, popular podcasts are found he's a former nfl defensive back for eight years and played with the titans slash oilers from 97 to 2000 started in super bowl 34 we watched some highlights earlier of him intercepting uh tom brady twice in the same game Corey davis and aj brown seem perfect for this offense um A.J. Brown especially, but it's good to see Corey Davis coming along. He's having a nice year. Why are these guys such a good fit in this offense? Well, they're both comfortable. Uh, First of all, A.J., um, he is just a phenomenal individual. He's strong, uh, physically gifted, and listen, there was a reason that Tennessee took A.J. rather than D.K. Metcalf. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta be special before them to take you, you know, before DK. Because I thought DK was going to be the first receiver taken off the board. It didn't happen that way. Now DK making everybody pay for it. He's like Randy Moss. He said everybody, thirty-one teams is gonna pay for this, and boy, he is tearing up the league. But let me say this about uh, the guy that I had as the X factor this year was CD. Corey Mm -hmm. is a special player. I think people they basically forgot. He was the fifth player taken in what 2017. Very special player. He's been he has some nagging injuries. He had a turf toe last year that really kind of hampered his performance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize when you have a turf toe. I had like a slice a, a, a slight turf toe in my last year, and it's very painful. It, it's something that really it really hurts your it hurts you uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. There's so it, it takes away from your game. But we see not only a healthy Corey, we see a guy that's basically comfortable in his offense, and he is having a Pro Bowl season. Uh, they yeah. didn't pick up his fifth-year option coming into this year, and he's basically letting in, letting everybody uh, know that, hey, I'm still that dog. I'm still that guy You know that they took out of Western Michigan. I know y'all thought I came from a small school, but, hey, let me tell you something. He put the NFL on alert. And he put it on notice and said, listen, I'm coming out this year. I had him as my breakout player. He hasn't disappointed. He has stepped up um, and just has played great. I'm so proud of him. I said time and time again, when this guy gets healthy, he's just like Randy Moss. He's he's another version of the 21st century version of the freak. And he's playing like hmm. that. Yeah, you can't sleep on players from the Mac, baby. That's uh, can't no. do that at all. Uh, so interestingly enough there that you've got uh, – so, so the Browns secondary, right, uh, is going to be, and they're beat up, they've been beat up all year, but unfortunately Denzel Ward was playing at the top of his game. He's going to be out, um, and it looks like Ronnie Harrison is going to be out as well. So you lose probably their two best back-end players. Uh, they are getting Miles Garrett back from uh, being on the uh, uh, the. Uh, COVID list, uh, yeah. So he'll be back. I don't know if he'll be on a, a pitch count, you know what I mean, sort of deal with snaps or whatever. Yeah. But the Browns' defense has played better, but they've played in some ugly weather, like really out of three out of the last four weeks, except for in Jacksonville. It's been putrid weather. 
and that may be a little bit of the the skewing the numbers a little bit as far as the defense played. Um, talking a little bit about how they can, as a defense, can slow down Tennessee. There's two games, two of their lower output games. The Bengals game, where they only put up 20 points, Tennessee Titans we're talking about here, and then Indy the first time, where they only put up 17. In those games, do you, what did they do to slow down Tennessee? What did the Bengals do, or was it more the Titans hurting themselves? I think it was a combination of both. First of all, in the Cincinnati game, I think Cincinnati took A.J. out of the game. He was very ineffective that game. Uh, I think he had two or th- four catches, and that's not going to cut it. Listen, right. they, took, they took away the playmakers, and they made Tennessee one-dimensional. And to me, everything is won or lost in the trenches. I think they their defensive front basically outperformed our offensive unit and vice versa. I think their offensive unit basically beat up our defensive line. I mean – they, they yeah. Cincinnati was out. They didn't have their starting running back, Joe Mixon. He was out of the game, but we saw Samaj P. Ron basically <laughs> yeah. run well, you know, and uh, Giovanni Bernard had a great game. You know, he's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. So when you get the ball in his hands, I mean, he can hurt you uh, in so many ways. Yep. So it was like they just got outplayed that game. And another thing we didn't do is um, they didn't run the ball that well. And if you put Tennessee one-dimensional, you take away Corey, you take away A.J., and basically say we're going to put the game in Derek's hands, that, that's not always going to equate into a win. you gotta, you got to basically – the way that this team wins is when Ron is able to distribute the ball to a multitude of different guys. When Jonu is going, it opens up the running game because now you got to respect the tight end. When A.J. is Corey – when A.J. and Corey is on – you gotta you gotta understand that's gonna open up the running game. That's where Derek starts to really hurt you. Is when the yeah. receivers on the outside are making plays. If those guys are if if since if uh, Cleveland comes in here and they they're able to match up well against Corey and AJ, then it puts Tennessee at a disadvantage. This is a team that wins when Ryan he can go to Jonu, he can go to Corey, he can go to AJ, he can go to Adam, he can go to Cam Batson, he can go to you know, a multitude of different guys. And that's how you win in this league. That's how Cincinnati, I mean, not Cincinnati, but Indy won the first game. You know, you saw Phillip getting the ball to a multitude of different guys. You know, he wasn't just uh, just handing the ball off, you know, to Jonathan Taylor, you know. And so what you got to do if you're Tennessee is your bread and butter is being physical up front. And it's not, it's not about Derek and it's not about Ron. It's about our offensive line. Uh, they they got a great offensive line. There's a lot of continuity with this bunch. Yeah, we've lost Taylor LeJuan. Ty Sambreo is on IR. But you saw Dan Quisenberry step in at that left tackle position. He's been yep. playing well. You know, so that's what I think everything starts up front. When this unit is blocking lights out, I've always said they can put any defensive line to sleep. And vice versa. I think when our uh, front D-line with Jeffrey Simmons, who's basically having an NFL MVP year, when those guys come to play, Daquan Jones and Jack Crawford, and now we see the emergence of Derek Roberson, this unit, when they get after you, we saw last week what they did to Phillip. He was under the rest pretty much the whole game. Then guess what? They're tough to yep. beat. That's Tennessee's that's, – that's their DNA is to get up – get get at you up front. Yeah. Yeah, uh, their defense is was going to – where I go next is the Titans' defense to me, I felt like his – oh, you know – has always been an intimidating defense. But when I look at their defense on paper, the names are crazy, right? Bayard, Vaccaro, Hooker, uh, you know, their corners are great. Butler and uh, Borders. You got Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans. You mentioned Simmons having an all-pro year. They bring in Desmond King to help out. Jack Crawford. There's just names just jump off the page to me, right? But then I go and look at, at the beginning of the year, they gave up 30-plus points to Jacksonville, Minnesota, Houston, Cincinnati, but they've kind of turned a corner defensively a little bit. Uh, what was going on before with the defense, and why, what have they kind of course-corrected there? You feel like they got the defense straightened out a little? 
Yes. Well, because, well, first of all, we were horrible last in the league and getting off the field on third downs. And listen, right. if you can't get off the field on third downs, you don't have a chance in this uh, in this league to win. It's hard because that, that allows teams to sustain drives. And if you're able to sustain drives, that just gives you more chance to score points. You know, it's very plain and simple. Yeah. So to me, the most important stat uh, on a defensive unit is getting off on third down. They were horrible. That's what cost them the Pittsburgh game. Uh, we saw Pittsburgh on their first four possessions score. They put up 24 points in the first half. Then we saw them correct, come back the second half, and then they basically was getting off the field. And then the yeah. game ended up, even though Pittsburgh won 27-24, the Steelers only scored three points in the second half. So it was yeah. kind of like, okay, maybe they got it, you know. And then they come back, kind of lay an egg, and then they'll come back again. They'll play well. So if they can be consistent on third downs, I think this defensive unit, they can be very dangerous. But, again, everything is really predicated on how you get up with to me on the uh, interior of the line because if they're able to get pressure on Baker just like they did with Phillip then it can be a long day I don't think it's all the secondary it's it's a combination of everybody being in the right place and and once they figure those things out iron out those kinks then I think this defense can be one of the top defenses in the NFL yeah, the, certainly the talent is there. I, I believe that uh, just uh, from the, the names I was going through there. All right, so the ta- Titans and Browns are the first and second running teams in the NFL. First, first, second, right? So you got Chubb with 700-plus yards, Hunt with 700-plus yards, Chubb missed some games there, and Henry with 1,500-plus yards. So, yeah, you know, you add them up, it, it's going to be a running run game versus run game, right? Like, these teams kind of, it's. I, I almost feel like the Browns and the Titans, they, they're very similar in what they want to do to each other, but the Browns are a little bit behind. Like the Browns want to, they, they want to be what the Titans are kind of, right? Now they got a lot to prove in this game because to me they're getting no respect at 8-3. and three. Like they're 8-3 and three and they're like, oh, you beat, you beat uh, the, the Colts and that is it. And, uh, but you got to play, you play who's on your schedule, right? But they got beat, uh, week one, you know, uh, Baltimore, I'll throw that one out, you know, whatever week one new coach, he had like 15 days to put his insoles in. Right. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll take that excuse. They got beat off the bus dramatically by Pittsburgh. The way that you beat the Browns is, is if you, they want to play in an even game or ahead so they can stay with the run game and the play action game and the boots with Baker. But if they, if they're forced to throw the ball and chase the game, they're in trouble. Right? Yeah. So, you know, Tennessee's going to come off, you know, come out just swinging, trying to take them out right away. Uh, I mean, that's just, that just seems like what, what the plan would be. Um, I expect them to take some shots down the field early, uh, you know, against this beat-up secondary when they have the ball. Let me ask you this question. Arthur Smith, I admire a lot in what he's done with their offense, as I do Stefanski here because we've been looking for a coach for 20 years, and he's finally kind of it looks like he's turning it around, right, uh, culture-wise uh, in, in what he's instilling with this team. But – Arthur Smith, what he's done with their offense is, is incredible. Is he a head coach next year? Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you yeah. why. He's uh, on the short list, right? Yeah, he's on the short list. He's a he's a heck of a coach, a very young coach. He's only 38 years old. And right. what I like about him is the way that he's called the games this year. Uh, it's been magnificent because what what he's all about is he mixes it up. He doesn't allow because everybody thinks that because it's Tennessee, they're just going to run the ball with Derek. That's not yeah. the case. You know, mm-hmm. when you can keep a defense, you know, second guessing, then that's an advantage for the offenses. And that's what Arthur Smith is really good. He says, listen, you think we're just going to pound you, but you, you keep forgetting we got two studs out there on the edges and Corey and AJ. But one of the things I love about Arthur Smith is, is that he's just a tough minded coach. 
If you watched the game last week against Indy, what he did was, and I kid you not, there was about 10 times that I counted that they ran what I call the I formation, which means you got a fullback and a tailback. Now, that never really happens. You don't see that a lot. They just basically lined up and say, Indy, listen, you know what we're going to do. We're going to come right at you. If you can stop yep. it, then stop us. If not, we're going to continue to run it. They ran the same formation. I counted at least <laughs> 10 times. In I kept laughing because I'm sitting there saying to myself, you have got to be kidding me. Basically, yeah. what he did was say, listen, I know you know us. We just played you uh, a few weeks ago. So what? This is what I'm going to do. If you don't like it, do something about it. It was basically a smash and pound type of game. He didn't do anything fancy. And that's yeah. what you love about him. He just sometimes, he, even if they're down, he doesn't neglect his game plan. That's what I love about him is some coaches, they, they panic. And then they start, they want to change things. Okay, well, we're not running the ball good. We're not getting that type of production today. Let's just pass. Well, you know what? He sticks with it. Even if it's not going good the first half, he's still going to stay with the same game plan. And I like the way he utilizes, you know, guys that, you know, come from the practice squad. We've seen a guy like Cam Batson come from the practice squad. He's made a significant contribution to this offense. Hmm. We've watched, you know, all of a sudden we see Anthony Ferkser. You know, we mm -hmm. watch him more and more. He's getting more comfortable with the offense. Swain, last week, we didn't. I mean, where has he been? Then all of a sudden, yeah. it's like he steps in, and he was the hot guy for a while. And we see Deontay Foreman. We see Jeremy McNichols. He's getting a lot of people involved in this offense. And and the thing that I like about him is he never neglects his game plan. It's like he's going to stick with it regardless. Listen, we may be down. We might be losing, but I'm not abandoning the ship. And that's what I love about Arthur Smith. Yeah, man, he seems like he has all the tools um, and I think a team would be lucky to get him. That that's the that's the wave, right? The young offensive mind. That's the wave. That's how Stefanski got the job. I think Arthur's right there, uh, next to get a head coaching job. Unfortunately for the Titans, because it's nice to have him. Obviously. All right. So tell me how this game is going to go. What you think is going to happen here? So you you play defense. Here's my question. These teams do the same things to each other, right? We want to run it. And then we're going to play action on you and take a shot down the field with Baker, with Tannehill. Tannehill's far, a little bit further ahead, but Baker, you know, I, I, I'm i not giving up on him. I feel like he's got he's got the arm, the talent. Uh, Stefanski's doing a good job using him the right way, bringing him along. But they do the same thing to each other. I think Tennessee probably has a better defense. There's an advantage there. I don't know when – I think we'll find out in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, offensive line versus defensive line. I think we won't know until we see it. Um, but as a de defensive player and even as a defensive coach, when you're used to that, right, like you know what they're going to try to do because your team does it to you in practice. Like that's what – they both they both run the zone run out – you know, zone run scheme, right? Uh, yeah. A lot of play action. They both do the same thing. How important is the game plan offensively, wrinkles and whatnot, and what schemes you're going to bring to the table? They got to change it up, right? Like, I mean, the the game plan is going to be huge in this because you're playing like a mirror of each other almost, right? Yes, both teams are very identical. Now, this is the way I see it now. If, if I'm Tennessee, okay, what I'm doing is I'm going – I want to see what is their strengths. Okay, I want to see what are they're good at. Mm -hmm. Then I want to see what their weaknesses are. So one of the things that I noticed about Cleveland, and I'm not just going to call them out, that's anybody, but I look at the Baltimore game where Baltimore jumped on them early, 38 to mm -hmm. 6. I look at the Steelers game where basically from the time they got off the bus, the Steelers were beating them, even before yeah. the game started. And they basically yeah. told after they beat them, go home. Because that yeah. was a game where everybody was talking about you know, this might be the rise of the Cleveland Browns, and it didn't happen that way. It was the rivalries coming back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So no. this is the way you do it if you're you're Tennessee. You're saying, listen, because I've been on both sides. I, I was actually the Cleveland Browns my first two years in Nashville. We were young and didn't know how to win. Now, if you were gonna beat us, you gotta beat us early. That means jump on us quick. If you don't get on us quickly, guess what's gonna happen? You give a young team life. 
So mm-hmm. if you're Tennessee, you're saying, listen, we got to take a page or two out of Baltimore and Pittsburgh. From the time that we step on that field, we got to beat this team down. We got to play like we played last week uh, against the Colts. We got to come in here and set the message very plain and clear. We're going to run the football. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go after your your cornerbacks because you got both of your starting cornerbacks are out. So what we got to do this game is we got to set the tone early. Because if we give this team life, and that's what happens with a young team like Cleveland, guess what? You let them stick around, then it, it can end up biting you at the end of the day. We saw that against Jacksonville. We saw that against Houston. They let those mm-hmm. teams stick around, and then all of a sudden, they took them right down to the wire. So this team right now, the way that you beat Cleveland is you got to get them early. Get them out of their comfort zone. Because if Baker gets comfortable in that pocket, you give him time, he can beat you. I don't yeah. think he's a Tom Brady yet. I don't think he's that quarterback that you guys have got probably in the next few years he would be that star. But right now, he's still a young player. So when you when you got a young quarterback like that, you want to keep him off balance, keep him under duress. That's any quarterback. But what you want to do is make them one-dimensional. If you allow this offensive unit, especially this rushing game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, if you allow these guys to get going – it may be lights out for our defense. We have got to stop the run. So what we want to do as a defensive unit is say, listen, I want to take away their strengths. Their strengths on Cleveland is the running game. They got two of the best young backs in the business right now. I love Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, I've been loving him since he was at Georgia, since he was in high school in North Carolina. He's, he's yeah. emerging as a star. And we know what Kareem Hunt can do. I mean, years ago when he was at Kansas City, they were saying this guy might be the best thing since sliced bread. So, again, that's what we're focused on if you're Tennessee. We're taking away the run game. What we're going to do is we're going to double Jarvis Landry, and we're going to say, hey, listen, here, who's your starting receivers? I want to see who do you got. And I don't even want to know their names. And then what we're going to do is we're going to let those guys beat us. And that's what you do to a team. Make them one dimensional if you can make a team one dimensional in this league it'll give you a chance to win every week yeah it makes a lot of sense denard you know if if you force baker to go into the drop back pass game that's not his strength right now and if if they're dropping back and throwing it 30 40 times then 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 they've already won you know what i mean uh that that's winning the battle right there is forcing the browns to do that certainly so, um, what do you, you had a prediction on the game for me? The line is the line opened up at four, and uh, we're sponsored by you know Bet Online here, and it's moved all the way to six with an over under of fifty three and a half. So, what do you think? You got the uh, you got the Titans covering that six points. You know what? I'm terrible at making predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I make them, you know, it's like everything goes wrong. But when I was saying earlier, let me just say this. And, you know, the X factors in this game, it might be Rashard Higgins and Cordero Hodge. I really do. I don't think it's going to be Jarvis because if I'm a coach, I'm not going to let number 80 beat me. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm not letting Jarvis beat me this game. Right. But I think if those two guys get going in this game. Donovan Peoples-Jones, if these guys that, you know, listen, other than Jarvis Landry, then you know what? It might give Cleveland a chance to win. But I'm going to go because they're coming down to Nashville, which is a hard place to play. The Titans play really good at home other than the Indy game. And the Pittsburgh, they played pretty good in the second half. I no don't doubt. see them letting up. And I saw I, I would go Tennessee 38, Cleveland 21, 38-21. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's certainly covering, and that I mean that makes a lot of sense if they can jump out like that and, and take advantage of the, uh, the Browns' beat up secondary. Certainly, um, you know it's pick your poison. If they start getting Henry rolling, and then they, and then the play action game going, it could be trouble for that defense for sure. So, hey, you know Browns got a lot to prove. They they got a lot to prove, man. They're gonna come in there. It's certainly a statement game. They got to prove something uh, to everybody here. So. Hey, man, you've been the best. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, it's been awesome uh, talking with you, man. And uh, you got a lot of knowledge on the Browns and a lot of love for Cleveland. So thank you, man. I appreciate that. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me, man. I really enjoyed the show. I appreciate you for having me on. 
Yeah, anytime, man. Thank you so much. Go listen to uh, Believe in Titans on the uh, Believe in Titans podcast where all popular podcasts are found. Thanks, Denard. Thank you. Appreciate it. Denard Walker, tremendous job, uh, incredible knowledge of the Browns there, awesome stuff. Uh, he is the co-host of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network, former NFL defensive back for eight years, played with the Titans slash Oilers from 97 to 2000 and started in Super Bowl 34 versus the Rams. We talked to him about that. We talked to him all about the Titans and their season. Uh, incredible knowledge here from him. Uh, awesome take from a guy that played in the league. Uh, he had a great knowledge of the Browns, too. A lot of times you get guys on uh, that from another city or another town, and they don't really have any knowledge of your team. He had an incredible knowledge of the Browns uh, personnel and uh, did an awesome job coming on the show tonight. So big shout-out to Denard Walker uh, for the time uh, on the show tonight. Uh, we've got a couple things here to cover after that here. We're going to get you up and out of here on All Eyes on Cleveland tonight, but uh, I wanted to hit a couple things. Uh, make sure that you, uh, if you're listening to the podcast still, you can always listen to that at iTunes, Speaker, SoundCloud, where all popular podcasts are found. We are there. Plus, we are now uh, on the simulcast, Facebook Live, Periscope, and YouTube right here. If you're on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe down below. If you're watching it live or uh, on replay, either one is all good. For me, it's all about the Browns. Can they match uh, the physical play of the Titans? Uh, and can Joe Woods put together a game plan that slows down that offense? Those are the two major keys for me. Uh, you know, the physicalness, they're going to come in physical as hell. They are, you know, they want to bully you. They do. That's what the Titans want to do. They want to bully you from the jump. And uh, Browns got to show at least, you know, with their offensive line, this offensive line unit has been good this year. If they can, if they can get, uh, you know, the, some push early and get that zone run game opening up some holes. If they can keep that game even or even ahead a little bit and keep keep that thing into the second half, they have a chance to win this game and actually prove something to the NFL right now. People, they're just not getting the respect, and you see it everywhere in the power rankings when people start talking playoffs. What we see uh, on ESPN the other night, they had the uh, commercial uh, for Wild Card Weekend. Every team on there but the Browns, right? Even though they got like an 80% chance of getting in the playoffs right now. It's crazy. So total disrespect there, and, and you you know where it's coming from. Browns haven't been here before. It's been a long time. They're 8-3. and three. They haven't really beat anybody of substance uh, except for the Colts. Um, and, and so you see where it's coming from. You need a statement win. You get Tennessee, you get Baltimore on Monday night, and you get Steelers in Week 17. And I don't even know what's going to be at stake at that point. If they're going for an undefeated season, if they already have lost a game and they're sitting players. So we don't even know if that's going to be a game of significance. Certainly it will be for the Browns. But will it be a game of significance for the Steelers? So really, you got these two weeks. You've got Tennessee to make a statement, 
and, and really you've got that Monday night game at home against Baltimore to really make a statement. If you want to say, NFL, we're not just, you know, we're not just going to get in one and done. We're going to get in and make a statement um, as far as we can beat somebody in the playoffs. And I think they can. I mean, if you run the ball and stick to the script, Kevin Stefanski has done an incredible job. I write at the Browns Wire USA Today. Uh, I wrote an article this week of, of why I think Kevin Stefanski should be considered for NFL Coach of the Year. Uh, the lack of time that he had to prepare. They were doing installs uh, a week before that Baltimore game. Um, but he, he just uh, uh, has done an incredible job in something that the Browns haven't been able to find in 20 years, you man. It, the biggest thing that he has to overcome, despite COVID, despite the no offseason, despite everything, right, all the injuries, the endless injuries, Delpit, OBJ, your best players, uh, being out, Chubb being out for whatever, four weeks. Despite all of that, the biggest thing he's had to overcome is the losing of the last 20 years. And he's found a way to overcome that and started to teach his young team how to win close games. Huge step in the right direction. Huge, huge stuff for the Browns. Jarvis Landry, heart and soul of this team. Uh, heart and soul of this team. Got a coming out party this week against Jacksonville, uh, and it makes me no happier to watch him succeed like that. So, as uh, as I like to do from time to time, we got Jarvis Landry highlights. His performance in the passing game. Baker goes play action with Thrawn to run, and this is caught. That's Jarvis Landry. Landry with a lot of real estate, averaging almost 12 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. Mayfield, a fake throw into the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. Jarvis Landry. And just like that, the Browns take the lead. Able to stop the run consistently, and you have to throw the football. We saw Jedrick Wills, their rookie left tackle, losing a sneaker. But Cleet has to come off the field. Kendall Lamb in. And that is another completion. Jarvis Landry with a marvelous catch. It's nothing new for him to, to rip off big plays. Play action here, the fake to Hunt. Hard pass is caught. Incredible play by Landry. We've got all three timeouts left. Mayfield over the middle, complete first down. Landry again. And he's missed four games. Incredible. Mayfield on second down, throws a laser near side of the field. It's Landry staying in bounds. It's that little extra burst at the end for a couple more. And they are pinned back inside their own one. Second and 11. Mayfield from the back of the end zone. Protected well. Fires and completes. Landry's big day continues. First down Cleveland. He's been on point in this game. Mayfield on second and nine. Working from the gun. Little crosser. It's Landry. Well, I'm not sure what happened there, but uh, that's okay. Uh, we had the, uh, the Jarvis highlights go in there for a minute and, uh, we lost it. So, uh, oh, well, that's okay. Um, we have, uh, a couple other bits of business to take care of tonight here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Hope you've enjoyed the show and the tremendous interview with Denard Walker, defensive back, uh, from the Titans was awesome. Uh, tune in to his podcast, Believe in Titans. Uh, I listened to the show. It was very good. He's awesome. Great personality. Um, and uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, he had great breakdown on everything. A big fan of um, Cleveland. Cleveland. Uh, big shout out to Cleveland from him. All right. So we talked. We can just show Jarvis highlights there. He's the heart and soul of this team and everything to them. So I wanted to get to that. I'm not sure what happened there at the end. Three teams can clinch playoff bursts in some fashion this weekend. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, or New Orleans can be the first to clinch a playoff berth uh, this weekend. That's something to keep an eye on. Uh, the Browns claimed Tedrick Thompson. I apologize. I keep feeling like this. my ear uh, thing is just going to go flying out. The first episode we had, it just shot right out of my ear. In the middle of uh, the interview, if if anybody saw that uh, and re remembers that, we were talking to Nick Shook, but it 
shot right out of my ears. If it does it again, I apologize. Uh, it keeps feeling like it's gonna, uh, seriously. But uh, they, Browns, uh, claimed Tedrick Thompson, if you recall, um, his time is with Seattle and then Kansas City. Uh, this guy has some significant playing experience and uh, is a good pickup here with Ronnie Harrison going on uh, the IR. Um, so um, I dug up uh, some highlights here. Now, one of these hits, he basically kills uh, Brandon Cooks in one of these uh, highlights. But uh, we can we can go to some uh, of the Tedrick Thompson uh, highlights here real quickly. It's not long. Goff throws, pass incomplete for Everett. Good throw by Goff. Had the two-minute warning with 208, but two timeouts left as well. Those are, that's a... Now the Seahawks... We're outside of two minutes. Look at Thompson. Hand under it, hand under it. And then he secures it. So there was that, uh, and then I wanted to show you this tremendous, tremendous, uh, as it just uh, came up here. Check out this, this this look on Nick Chubb. Boom! That's the man right there, hungry. That's your guy. He's got to get it done there. Uh, that That is the guy. All right, so we also wanted to take a look here at the NFL schedule this weekend, seeing what uh, is happening uh, with, um, uh, let's see if I can uh, navigate this. But, uh, yeah, so we wanted to uh, take a look here at uh, the schedule this weekend and determine, as far as scoreboard watching goes, who are we watching for uh, and uh, I believe I have that uh, at the ready. Uh, one moment here. Let's go ahead and bring that up. All right, so if, if we're looking at this weekend, Raiders get the Jets, okay? Raiders should beat them up. They're 6-5. and five. That's a, a must-win for them if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. The, the Dolphins get the Bengals. So right from the get-go there, two of the teams that we are vying for position with, play uh, bad matchups, they should win. Colts get the Texans, they should win, unless Deshaun gets really hot uh, as he is playing at a super high level. Um, and then if we scroll through, basically, uh, if you want to say the pa- Patriots are in it still, I guess you could if they were to run five off in a row, but they get the Chargers in uh, uh, in uh, Los Angeles and then you'll have uh, the 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 WFTs, the WTFs, or, or the yeah WTF WFT uh, at the Steelers in this odd once again Monday night doubleheader. Uh, I kind of think it's something they should go to all all the time 
But like five and eight, fifteen is weird timing. I would say like more like maybe like six and nine or whatever. I don't know. But uh, that's uh, f- the football team at the Steelers, eleven and zero. Your Bills at eight and three. Another one was eight and three teams playing the Niners. That's always going to be a tough game with Shanahan out in uh, San Francisco, and then uh, the Cowboys. At three and eight, and everybody in that division is still alive, uh, gets the Ravens on Tuesday, and that'll be on Fox. Uh, the Browns game uh, is CBS one o'clock, uh, as I mentioned, in Tennessee at the uh, Nissan uh, Stadium, and that's uh, what we have to look forward to this weekend as far as uh, you know who and what. Uh, we need to watch on the scoreboard. Now, as far as that goes, though, with those teams playing the Jets and the Texans and uh, the, uh, who was the other one, the Bungles, uh, a loss would mean a lot more to the Browns at this point because you're talking about um, losing significant ground in the playoff race and everything matters right now uh, when you're looking at that. Uh, so uh, easy opponents for a lot of the uh, other wild card teams out there uh, should make it interesting. Uh, to wrap things up here tonight, uh, as this is going to be a huge game. Uh, once again, no respect out there for the Browns. Check the power rankings. They're not mentioned in conversations about the playoffs, about your run. Um, a lot of Cleveland faithful if you go on twitter all that it's a lot of baker mayfield slander oh they're hiding baker they're doing this with baker to be honest the kid has done what they've asked him to do and even in the last game he missed a couple easy throws that everybody's gonna jump on but if you watch around the league that happens all the time so almost every quarterback somebody misses an easy throw a game but he was throwing darts in that game to Landry, darts to Higgins, darts all over the field to his uh, teammates. He he was accurate and precise, and I think that the Cleveland crowd with an 8-3 and three football team is way too hard on Baker Mayfield right now. I feel like he's coming along. I feel like he's finding his way in this offense. Stefanski's done an incredible job. I hate the slander and the negativity about Baker Mayfield, and I hate the no respect for the Browns at 8-3. and three. A win against this Tennessee Titans team would be absolutely huge. It's not the end of the world if they lose. I think they actually probably might even have a better chance to beat the Ravens on the following Monday night than they do to beat the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. But either way, knuckle up and win one of these is a must. you got to knuckle up and win one of these two games uh, to show the NFL that you're real and demand some of that respect because the disrespect is crazy all over the place on the Browns, even though they're sitting at 8-3. and three. Uh, I'm glad you uh, listened in, and uh, if you did or you're watching it on uh, replay, make sure you hit the subscribe button below, the bell next to it to notify you every time we are putting out awesome content here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Once again, big thanks to Denard Walker, former defensive back from the Titans, uh, played in Super Bowl 34, uh, the the one more yard Super Bowl uh, we showed you some uh, highlights of him picking off Tom Brady twice. First player to do that uh, since uh, after he became a starter in NFL history. He was a terrific guest. He is a co-host at Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. Big thanks to them for lending him to us tonight in his knowledge on everything Titans. Hope you enjoyed the show. Mikey was fantastic. He's a gentleman and scholar on the ones and twos. Um, and uh, keep coming back, baby. Keep coming back. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Um, for Mikey, uh, my name is Brad Ward, and uh, we are out. Mm-hmm.